O God our Father, open our ears and enlighten our minds as we study your word. So grant that our minds may know your truth and our hearts may feel your love. And then confirm and strengthen our wills so that we may go out to live what we have learned. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our gospel reading this morning is from the 8th chapter of Mark's gospel, starting at the 27th verse. Jesus went on with his disciples to the village, villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may the meditations of our hearts and may my words be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Who are you? That was the first question for each person I interviewed in the psychological assessments I did in my work for the state. Well, now... Really, I'd meet folks in the waiting room and I learned to ask them a question most people know the answer to, but surprisingly not everyone. Where are you from? <laughs> but when we sat down to talk seriously, that's what I'd ask. Who are you? Then I would listen closely because people would tell me who they were. Or at least who they wanted me to think they were. Sometimes, the person would get uh, what I would call the vocal version of writer's block. They, they just couldn't think of what to say. So I'd reframe the question this way. If the very few people in this world who know you best were in this room and they spoke the truth, what would, who would they say you are? Well, 
the verses we read from the 8th chapter of Mark's Gospel can be considered in three parts. All three parts focus on who Jesus is. In part one, the 27th through 30th verses, as Jesus is talking to the disciples, he asks those two probing questions. Who do people say that I am and who do you say that I am? And to the first question, who do people say that I am, the disciples had three answers. You remember John the Baptist, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. Well, two chapters earlier in Mark, the sixth chapter, Mark described the reaction of King Herod when he heard what Jesus was doing. And Herod was told the same three possibilities. You see, people were not sure what to think of Jesus. The second question Jesus asked was, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you're the Messiah. Well, this is a remarkable confession of faith, but pay attention to what Peter will do next. In the second part of this text, Jesus tells the disciples about his future. And he's teaching them how the Son of Man must undergo great suffering, be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the scribes, be killed, and after three days, rise again. Clearly what they heard was something scary about pain, suffering, and death. So Peter pulls Jesus aside and rebukes him. Lord, you really shouldn't go talking that way. It's not in our marketing plan. That's just not the way to increase membership. Not the way to work on the budget. Lord, polls show that people want religion to be light and happy and not too demanding. Jesus' response was memorable. Get thee behind me, Satan. You are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. In the third part of this scripture, the last five verses, Jesus instructs the crowd, and therefore us, about discipleship. He called the crowd together and said, if you want to become my followers, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And they said this mysterious thing about those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the gospel will save it. What will it profit to gain the whole world and lose your life? Well, we don't know how that crowd responded to this news. It's not in the gospel there. But we know how it sounds to our ears. To be a Christian, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ involves Self-denial, taking up a cross, and following. Self-denial? Most people are much more interested in self-indulgence than self-denial. Taking up a cross? Who wants to sign up for that? That's a miserable way to die. Following Jesus? What's that going to involve? What's that going to cost? Well, Jesus tells us, It'll cost our very life. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose it for my sake, and for the sake of the gospel, will save it. There's a professor at Yale. He's a professor of uh, Christian communication named Thomas Troger. He wrote that the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all our heart and mind and soul and strength. But, 
It's a commandment we continually try to avoid fulfilling. In fact, Troger wrote a, a hymn that expressed our resistance this way. If all you want, Lord, is my heart, my heart is yours alone, providing I may set apart my mind to be my own. If all you want, Lord, is my mind, my mind belongs to you, but let my heart remain inclined to do what it would do. If heart and mind would both suffice while I kept strength and soul, at least I would not sacrifice completely my control, but since, O oh God, you want them all to shape with your own hand, I pray for grace to heed your call to live your first command. Declining or deciding to follow Jesus, to be a disciple, does not mean giving God a share, some fraction. Jesus gave his all, and he asked our all. He promises that the Holy Spirit will sustain us and will guide us. Well, let me shift gears a second. Now, do you remember that Disney movie, Lion King? Do you remember what King Mufasa told his son Simba to do when he faced a crisis where that young lion did not know what to do? In the deep voice of James Earl Jones, he said, remember who you are. Remember who you are. But to remember who you are, well, you need to figure out who you are in the first place. Once upon a time in the wee hours of the morning, I watched Jay Leno interview an author on The Tonight Show. The author's book suggested some ways to kind of figure out who you are. He said, well, first of all, identify 10 defining moments in your life, seven critical choices you've made, five pivotal people in your life story. Then Jay Leno got to talking about how when he was a young guy growing up in Boston, some of his buddies decided they're gonna to go to a store and steal some candy and other stuff. But young Leno thought to himself, eh, this is stupid, I don't wanna do this. And then Leno talked on that show about how different his life would have been, how his whole life path would have gone a different direction had it not been for that pivotal decision. Well, that author, by the way, is a psychologist named Dr. Philip S. McGraw. He's better known as Dr. Field. How's that working out for you? <laughs> well, down in Atlanta, there's a Methodist preacher named Ronald Greer. And Greer wrote a book titled, If You Know Who You Are, You Will Know What to Do. Living with integrity. He said integrity is much more than not telling a lie. It's not lying to myself. It's more than telling the truth. It's being true to who I am. And to be true to who we are, we need to discern, discover, claim, and live who we are. To do that, we need to find our own answer to some basic questions. Things like, what do I value? What do I believe? What's most important, most precious, most sacred?
future need. At the beginning of his book, Greer tells of people who go to their pastor and ask what to do about a horrible situation. The Dutch pastor was a Dr. Hendrik Kramer. It's the beginning of World War II. And the people want to know what to do about their Jewish neighbors who are being sent off to concentration camps to die. Dr. Kramer says he's not going to tell them what to do. He will tell them who they are. He adds, if you know who you are, you will know what to do. And to tell them who they are, he reads from the second chapter of 1 Peter. It says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people who are God's own possession. You've become this people so that you may speak of the wonderful acts of the one who called you out of darkness into his amazing light. Once you weren't a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So who are you? If you know who you are, you will know what to do. Thanks be to God. Remember who you are. A person created by, loved by, saved by, sustained by God Almighty. Now may the love of God uphold you, the light of Christ guide you, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit fill you with joy, now and forever. Amen.